morning, my name is Len and I have the privilege of reading scripture with you this morning. For those of you who would like to follow along, I'll be reading a short passage from Luke 21, page uh, 1635 in your pew Bibles. And I'll just be reading the first four verses, which are well-known verses to probably most of us. Once again, Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. Listen to these words. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Len, for reading the scripture for us. Um, So this morning, uh, if you're just joining us after Christmas holidays, maybe you were away last week, Pastor Chris started off what is going to be a three-part series on stewardship, and, uh, and he began by giving us a brief overview of the stewardship that God calls us into. Uh, and, uh, and stewardship is, is not a, a word that we often uh, use. Uh, it's not super common in everyday uh, language or conversation, but uh, one illustration uh, way of thinking about it that I found helpful is uh, when, uh, when you're on a plane, an airplane, because we, we do sometimes refer to the flight attendants as stewards and stewardesses, and, and what their role is on the plane is to, to use the things that they have at their disposal, you know, the, the, the coffee, uh, the tea, the, the food, and the drink, and to use that to help care for the needs and, and the uh, flourishing of those on board so that when the, the, the passengers of the plane land and, and get off the plane, that they feel, you know, cared for and, and they feel like they, they've been taken care of. And so that's the job of a steward or stewardess on an airplane is, is to take care of the, of the passengers on the plane. And so as we uh, look at this, uh, this, the stewardship that God calls us into as, as human beings on this earth, uh, that's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to, be, to, to steward the gifts that God has given us on the plane of life. And uh, perhaps, though, um, you know, the, the question that quickly comes up in a lot of our minds after, you know, we hear uh, the call to stewardship is, well, what do I have to give? What, what do I have to give? And when we, when we say uh, something like that, you know, it's, it's so, so easy for us to look up. Right, to, to look at other people maybe sitting in the pews beside us or uh, in, in our workplaces or even in our families, um, to look up and say, I have nothing compared to those people. What, what do I possibly have to give compared 
to this person who has money at their disposal, who has authority in their, uh, in their job to make decisions, to make meaningful change? What, what could I possibly do in, as, in my position? Maybe, maybe you're a student in high school thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm just in grade 10 or I'm just in grade 7. What possibly do I have to give? And then we look at this widow. We look down and say, you know, she had two copper coins to give, and she gave it all. You know, we live in one of the most wealthy postal codes in the entire world. We live at, in the, the greater Toronto and, and Hamilton area as a place of immense, um, you know, uh, educational uh, affluence, financial affluence. So much is at our disposal. And so when we take a look down and we see um, maybe the opposite end of the spectrum, if we look below us, we say, wow, maybe we do have some things to give, gifts that God has given us to steward, especially when we look as far down as the widow in this passage who gave two copper coins. She gave everything that she had. And uh, so this week, uh, I was sharing with uh, one of my pastor colleagues in Classes Hamilton, and he said, uh, I, was, I was sharing about the passage that I was, you know, thinking about and preaching, to preach on this Sunday, and he said, oh, I have one of those copper coins from the time that this woman would have dropped it in the offering box. I can give it to you. <laughs> I can let you uh, share it with the congregation. That it, that it puts it in perspective a little bit how pathetic her offering was. So you probably can't even see it. But I'm going to pass it around to you. And I want you to take it in your hands. I want you to be careful with it because I have to give it back to him. But I want you to, to, to just take a look at how, how pathetic to us this seems to be, but how beautiful her offering is to God. And so as we're talking about this, it's just a, a helpful way of, of seeing what this actually was. Because when we look at our calling and we, and we think, you know, what do I possibly have to give? It reminds me of a scene from The Fellowship of the Ring where uh, Frodo is beginning to see and feel the effects of the ring and, and the weight of the responsibility. You know, he just learned that, that Gollum is following uh, him and, and, and their company, and he says to Gandalf, he says to him, I wish the ring had never come to me. You know, I wish I didn't have this responsibility placed on my back. And, uh, and then so Gandalf, in his infinite wisdom, says this. He says, so do all who live to see such times. But that's not for them to decide. What they have to decide is what to do with the time that they've been given. So what are we going to do with the things that God has given us? So this morning, let's look at this passage in Luke 21 under three headings. First, uh, be willing to give everything. Two, the secret to freedom. And third, the image of Jesus. So first, uh, be willing to give everything. So in this passage, Luke is giving us uh, two different people who offer their gifts. 
Two different people that Jesus notices and comments on. First is the rich who are putting their bags of money into the offering box. And, and when we think of stewardship, you know, one huge area of stewardship is in our finances. And actually is even more of an emphasis in uh, the Jewish culture than perhaps it is now. Uh, and and they, they were held to higher standards than we were, uh, or than we uh, typically are. Um, so when a, a, a Jewish person was, was taught to tithe, the Pharisees, the ones who were, you know, entrusted with, um, you know, interpreting the law, they would always tithe 10%. 10% on all their income. But that wasn't it. They also would tithe 10% on everything that they spent. So everything that comes in, 10% off the top, right away, goes, goes to God. Then everything else that they spent, 10% of that. And then what we see here, which is the offering. The tithes and the offerings were different things. And so, uh, so for them, they're, they're pushing 25, 30% of their income as being given to God, which is typically a lot higher of a percentage than what makes us feel comfortable with. And so we read this passage, you know, to, to Jesus' followers, seeing these rich people put their offerings in, they probably would have responded, you know, wow, that is stewardship. Look at that. 30%, 25% of all the money that they get, they give. And to Jesus, though, it's not. It's not. Because Jesus, the economy of Jesus is different than, than the economy uh, that we are typically used to. Because Jesus looks then and compares the rich person to this poor widow who gave two pathetic copper coins. You know, she is the athlete that jumps over the bar at the lowest possible height. She is the the athlete that comes dead last by about 15 minutes. An afterthought. Two copper coins was the lowest legal offering that a person could give. You couldn't give any less. And uh, it was a low enough amount that it wouldn't have moved the bar on anything. It wouldn't have built anything. It wouldn't have contributed to anything. It It was nothing. But to Jesus, when he's comparing the two people giving their gifts and stewarding their gifts, he says that the woman, the poor woman gave more than all the other people combined. The economy of Jesus is different than what we typically look at when we, when we see stewardship. Why is this? Is because what she does, she gives everything that she had to live on. What is stewardship about then? Well, Jesus says, all the rich, they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, gave all that she had to live on. Stewardship is about giving your life over. The Greek word, interestingly enough, in this, in this passage for life, isn't the typical one. It, it's the Greek word bios, which is, probably rings a bell in a lot of our ears. It's, it's the word that we get biology from. And it's, it's a word that it represents life holistically, right? When we talk about biology, we talk about, um, you know, life 
all of, of, of our living organisms, from, from the smallest uh, little you know, tadpole in, in the pond to, to the big elephants, and, and all of life is captured under this umbrella of, of bios. And that's what this woman offers. She offers everything that she had to flourish on. Nothing is off the table. She hands over the keys to, to not just her finances, she hands over the keys to her life, of her life to God and hangs on for the ride. And when compared to the offering of the rich who gave uh, their abundance, it becomes uh, you know, clear to us that, that we are called not to give out of our abundance. We're called to give our bios. We're called to steward by giving our entire life to God. Giving out of abundance means that there's probably a large portion that's still on the table, reserved for ourselves. Giving out of abundance means that we're probably trying to buy God. I ran into a poem this week by a man named Wilbur Reese, who characterizes what is so often uh, our broken attitudes to stewarding the gifts that God has given us. And he, he puts it like this. He says, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with an immigrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy three pounds of God, please. But what if comfort is just a facade? What if in our conservative nature, when it comes to our generosity, what if it's actually limiting our ability to flourish? What if, what if our conservative nature, when it comes to stewarding our gifts, is actually limiting our ability to be image bearers of God as he's called us to be? What if it's actually limiting the impact we can have in our city? What if, what if, the secret to a satisfied heart comes not from protecting ourselves, but, but giving our bios, like this woman does. Andy Crouch, who Pastor Chris mentioned last week in the book uh, that, that has been a huge influence on how we've been moving through this series on stewardship, the book is called uh, Strong and Weak. And there are copies available in the church library. I didn't bring my copy this morning like Pastor Chris did, but it's called Strong and Weak, and I'd encourage you, read through it when you have a moment. It's a, it's a wonderful book that, that challenges us into embracing an attitude towards vulnerability. And the paradox that Andy Crouch talks about in this book which, you know, a paradox is a seemingly ridiculous idea that is actually true. The paradox to flourishing or a life bearing the image of God and stewarding the gifts well is that it involves, it involves embracing vulnerability. It involves embracing 
weakness, exposing ourselves to risk, just as this poor widow is doing. It involves sticking our necks out. If you take away vulnerability, you lose the ability to flourish. If you try to buy $3 worth of God, not four or five, you lose God himself. You end up with nothing. Now, now just to be clear, I don't think that, that Jesus is, uh, in this passage, is saying that we all have to be like what he tells the rich person uh, to, to, to do, and that is to, you know, go sell everything that you have. You know, there's, there's biblical examples of people who, like Job, or King David, or Solomon, or even Nicodemus, who lived in an immense prosperity and wealth. And Jesus never told those people to sell everything that they had. But it's because it wasn't a problem for them. You know, Jesus wants us to give over our whole bios to him, to submit to his authority in all of our life when it comes to stewarding our gifts. And, and the question, though, that I think he's getting at with with regard to our finances, is would you if he asked you to? How much would you sacrifice of yourself for the good of others? Because that's the essence of stewardship. And I know that there are people here worshiping with us this morning. We talked about this back at the beginning of December. There are people who are giving less than $500 a year. About 35% of our congregation gives less than $500 a year. And I have to, when, when we're talking about stewardship and stewarding our gifts, I have, to, I have to mention that as your pastor. And not because I'm, not because I'm being told to, and not because I uh, care about the church budget or care about how much money this church brings in, because I, I don't, but I care about you. And, and if... What Jesus is saying about the poor widow in this passage is true. If she gave in her poverty more than all the others combined, and she is blessed for it, and she is happy for it, and she is satisfied because of it, then if we aren't radically generous with everything that we have, we're missing it. We're missing it. Again, I don't care about the offering totals but I care about you. And I know that from myself and my wounded heart, my reaction to hearing this passage is to think, no way. The more vulnerability that I embrace, the more uncomfortable that I feel, the, less, the, the worse off I will be. The more risk it involves for me, the less reward. But what if it's the opposite? What if it's true what this poor widow teaches us? That she gives it all and lives totally free. This is why we constantly have to be reminding ourselves that we can trust God. That he knows more than we do. He is more qualified to tell us what to do than we are. He's our God. But more than that, he's our loving and faithful Heavenly Father. And he's called us into this radical stewardship. Not despite of his love for us, but because of his love for us. So what if we could trust him with our whole bios, our whole life? What if we adjusted our lifestyle to fit our faith rather than adjusting our faith to fit 
our lifestyle? What if we made sacrifices to be different than everyone else for the sake of living out the gospel in our lives and in our city? What if our career choices weren't, weren't made exclusively to benefit ourselves, but to, to use the, the gifts and the education and the, the wisdom that God has given us to bless other people, even if that means living on a tighter budget? What if we lived in our neighborhoods, not because of the types of houses that they are, but, but to, to pray for and to serve the people who live around us? And I know that there are so many people in this congregation in Tracy and my, what is five, four, four and a half, five months of being here, we've met so many people who do this so well and do this so intentionally. And it's those people who I've had in my mind as I've been preparing this, this sermon this morning that we have, there are people here that are stewarding gifts in the way that God has intended and are being blessed because of it. And if you talk to them about the decisions that they made, and why they made them, the hard choices, the self-sacrifice, I think they would tell you that the best place in the world, the most fulfilled place and most satisfied place is actually when we join the widow and give our bios to God. Because as the catechism says, question and answer one, our only comfort in life and in death is that we are not our own, but we belong to God. Nothing can separate us from his love and faithfulness to us. If we all embraced this, how would it change our world? How would it change our city? How would we be able to contribute to the broken places in our neighborhoods and in our our city of Hamilton. But how can we do this? How can we join the widow in giving her bios and experiencing the freedom and fulfillment that comes with that? Now, I wish I could stand up and t here and tell you that I do this perfectly. Or well, even. <laughs> the truth is that none of us are faithful stewards with the gifts that God has given us. And what this teaching does when, when we see the poor widow and what she has done, what she has given, is it draws us to our knees. And it calls us to repent of the ways that we misuse the gifts that God has given us and are selfish with them. But as your pastor, I'm so thankful that I can, I can stand up here and I can proclaim and preach the good news to us this morning. That, that the woman in this passage is just an image for Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just give two copper coins that represent his bios. He literally gave his life for us. He embraced vulnerability. He became, and we just celebrated it on Christmas, he became a baby a baby that had to be cared for, that had to be taught how to walk, how to talk. He had to learn how to live as a human. And then, and then he went to the cross for us and died. Why? So that we could live. He emptied himself 
of his life to give ours back. Andy Crouch says that this vulnerability and sacrifice that Jesus Christ did for us is what frees us and enables us to embrace this life too. He says this, are we ultimately vulnerable? Is everything at risk in this life with no belays, no harnesses, no one holding the rope at the other end? Or is our very life held by the one who has even gone to the dust of death and returned? Who has conquered the ultimate source of vulnerability and even now holds ultimately secure the tether of our life? If Christ is not raised from the dead, then everything is at stake and at risk. The gods of authority without vulnerability have won, and we of all people are most to be pitied. But if Christ has been raised, this is the wager of the Christian life, then no meaningful risk is too great for his capacity to rescue. Christ has been raised. And so nothing that we can do will ever lose our future in him. He's got us. We have been rescued, and his grace covers our failures at being stewards and frees us to live radically generous lives with everything that we have received. So now that Christ has been raised and lives with us, through his spirit, the safest place in the world is not when we protect ourselves and when we hoard our gifts, but when we are like the, the poor widow, when we give our bios, and instead of clinging to the cliff for dear life, we let go and trust that the rope that Jesus is holding on to will hold strong. And it will. Thanks be to Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that is encouraging and challenging that is authority and vulnerability, that is strong and weak. God, we thank you for giving to us Jesus who shows us what it looks like to live as your image bearers on this earth. God, we pray that as we discern and wrestle with what this looks like in our own lives, would you help us? Would you send your spirit to convict us of areas of our bios that we need to submit and hand over to you? God, we pray that you would lead us into lives of flourishing through radical generosity stewarding faithfully 
the gifts you have given to us. God, we thank you that we are not saved based on our ability to steward the gifts, but solely through the grace of Jesus. Would that change our hearts and our actions? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.